you're listening to the Big House Bleachers Podcast. Welcome to the Big House Bleachers Podcast. I'm Michael Smeltzer, and I'm here with my fellow Michigan Wolverine diehard fan, Matt Hartwell. Matt, how you doing, buddy? I'm good, man. It's uh, it's late where I'm at right now, so uh, I'm kind of, you know, I'm uh, cooling down a little bit, just uh, coming down from the day and getting ready to go to bed in a little while after we're done with this podcast. So <laughs> I'm chilling, but how about you, my friend? Yeah, man, it must be hard for you uh, Eastern time zone folks. I mean, that that's our that's most of our listener base probably because we have a lot of uh, obviously Michigan based listeners. Um I'm I'm actually on central time. A lot of people might not realize that. I'm located in in Texas and so um but I you know, I get so irritated by these uh NBA West Western Conference games. They're so damn late. You guys must not see any of them, right? Like they're tipping off at what like 10 o'clock your time. Yeah, some of them, man, as late as uh, 10, 10.30. It's very aggravating when you're trying to keep up with, uh, especially like Michigan basketball this past season, man, mm-hmm. having to uh, be up for that, for Maize and Brew and stuff. Like, it got very difficult having to be obligated to be up for every single game when Michigan was tipping off at like 9, 9.30, 10 o'clock. It's for the birds, man. Man, you see, you lost me in there because when you said Michigan tipping off, I'm I'm up at two thirty in the morning. You tell me there's a Michigan game at five a.m. I'll you know I'm pulling all nighter. I don't even care, man. <laughs> I guess you're not a absolutely. I guess you're not fair. a real you're not a real diehard like I am, huh? Hey, man, I'm a I'm a diehard. I'm just like in my thirties. I'm getting tired just old, a just bit. old, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, man. Speaking of uh, NBA playoff basketball. Um, Duncan Robinson, Michigan alum, uh, Duncan Robinson has, a, has had a resurgence in the playoffs. And, you know, we, we had an episode a few weeks ago where we had, uh, Brian Bouton on the show and we all guessed like who our, uh, you know, Michigan person in the playoffs was, you know, who was going to perform the best. I said, Jordan Poole, which I thought was a pretty obvious answer. I mean, Karis Levert could have been an answer. He felt pretty strongly Duncan Robinson uh, would show out because Tyler Hero had just gotten hurt. And uh, I think you agreed with him, actually. So you guys uh, were both correct. Duncan Robinson uh, killing it. Passes LeBron James for the most playoff three-pointers made in Miami Heat history. Um, so people are talking, is Duncan Robinson the best player of all time? Thoughts? <laughs> absolutely buddy i mean uh and really after you said duncan robinson uh passes lebron james all i heard was (laughs) because he's just that great you know what i mean who really cares what he passed him in all that matters is that duncan robinson is the greatest basketball player of all time university of michigan born and bred so i mean that's all there is to it hopefully he goes on to uh win a championship with that organization also jimmy butler man i mean what a a performance thus far by that guy i really want it 
for him and uh, the Florida Panthers while we're at it. So those are the two teams that I'm bandwagoning for uh, right now with uh, obviously the Red Wings or Pistons not anywhere near contention. I'm, uh, I'm fully ingrained in my uh, Florida bandwagon roots. Not any Tampa teams, but South Florida I got their back. Well, let's see what they uh, what they do here in the in the uh, upcoming games. Well, I'm glad that you brought up Jimmy Butler because that dude is him. Uh, there's no there's no ifs ands or buts about it. I mean, he is just a straight up dog. And then as far as your Florida Panthers go, you know, I was arguing with some buddies about this. A Florida Panther, like what the hell is that? I looked it up, and a the damn thing looks like a mountain lion. I'm pretty sure that there's just mountain lions that live in Florida. And then you Floridians are like, oh, that's a Florida panther. It's like, no, no, no. That's just, that's, that's literally just a mountain lion. As someone that's got several years of experience living in Florida, I can confirm that I've never seen a panther. So <laughs> uh, more on that later. Well, I tell you what, now that we've lost the entire Michigan fan base because we're talking about Jimmy Butler and Florida Panthers, let's talk about some Michigan stuff, man. Um, You know what? Let's rip the Band-Aid off and talk about the painful news of the week. Caleb Love, the uh, best transfer that we had uh, heading to the basketball team, Jawan really, uh, that was kind of, he was putting all his eggs in the Caleb Love basket, <laughs> you know, and... Unfortunately, Michigan admissions strikes again. It looks like he didn't have the transfer credits or he didn't have uh, the grades or something. You know, so he did not meet some, a certain criteria to admit to Michigan. And uh, I got to be honest with you, I'm outraged. Uh, as a Michigan sports fan, I'm outraged. And there's a lot of Michigan alum that disagree with me on this. They say the University of Michigan uh, stands for excellence. They are an academic institution first, and they should always focus on academics before sports. And they're glad that Caleb Love, you know, was held to those same standards. I hear you. I hear you guys. I don't want you guys mad at me. I understand. I'm technically not a Michigan alum, uh, so I have no, I have no business really stating my opinion on their academic standards at all. But, I, but I will tell you this. Um, I think as, as an institution that represents excellence in all areas, if somebody uh, showcases excellence in a single area and they're clearly uh, smart enough and good enough to go to school and are making, making the grades at another institution of higher learning, um, don't make it more difficult than it needs to be for these guys to come play football or basketball. Um, you know, it's it, like... The thing that pains me is like, so Terrence Shannon Jr., our highest ranked transfer last year, also got blocked by the admissions department. And then where did he transfer? Illinois. It's not like these guys are going to like some schmuck institution where, where you know, there's literally good schools that are letting these guys in. And Michigan's like, no, 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 we'd rather be Harvard. Well, I tell you what, Michigan, if, if you want to be Harvard, then eventually your your sports teams are going to start looking like an Ivy League school. Uh all right, I'm done with my rant. I forgive I forgive admissions. I forgive everybody, but Matt Matt, how do you feel, man? I mean, how I feel is really it's almost comical at this point. Uh the tragedy that's just befallen Michigan basketball. 
Uh, I, there's really no explanation for it. You really just hope that they're able to kind of pull all the strings together with what they have and uh, and put something competent on the floor this upcoming season. But I, I don't know. It almost just seems I'm not absolving Jawan of like any uh, failure or responsibility or anything like that. But I do see how it can be a little bit difficult for him in the current climate that he's in at Michigan to succeed when there's a certain academic criteria that that needs to be met. And uh, and you don't have like the wide net of like a football to fall back on. You know what I mean? With a large roster and stuff like that. Um, so, I mean, it's very hit or miss here whenever you're talking about football and basketball, it's not the same thing. So I do kind of see how it's a little bit more difficult for him to succeed right now than, uh, than, uh, it would be for say the football team, but man, it kind of like explains why he's going after the types of recruits that he's going after, like Ivy league type guys. Cause he wants to ensure that they're going to be able to make that transfer. But still, I mean, something's got to give, man, with uh, with academics, with with uh, the recruits, something going right, or else this Michigan basketball team is never going to be able to get with the times and survive in this day and age. Yeah, man, and I like to, to play through a little thought experiment when you think about how Jawan's teams have been affected by this. And so... The way I look at it is, if take any coach in the country, there's very few that would be able to withstand having their top recruit or their top transfer. Really, really for this, for this is, is it was his top recruit each year, right? Transfer or committed. Terrence Shannon Jr., Caleb Love, um, high-profile, talented guys. Um, there's not a coach in the country that you could take their their top guy away two years in a row, and they're still going to perform at the highest level. Maybe when like Coach K was at Duke, he could have like a top guy go. Maybe Calipari at Kentucky or something, you know. But like it, it, it's it's unrealistic to expect a guy like Jawan to retool when you're literally blocking his top recruit. This team last year, yeah, they should have been better. Yeah, they had two first round draft picks and Hunter Dickinson and should have made the tournament. But I'm sorry, if you sprinkle T Terrence Shannon Jr. in there like he should have been, the team's making another run in the tournament, right? And and Jawan Howard, before before admission started blocking his transfers and blocking his recruits, he was the AP coach of the year. He was the coach of the year in the entire country. So um, I'm not necessarily absolving him of all of his like reckless, late-game, terrible decisions because those were obviously there. But let's give the guy a break. I mean, he... I mean, he's he's trying to put together some squads and, and uh, admissions is just blocking him at this point. And what it does really is it just gives him kind of a pass to an extent. You know what I mean? Not so much a pass, but if he doesn't do well in this upcoming season, there's an asterisk next to that because he had guys that were going to come in that could have helped this team compete. And now they're not coming. You know what I mean? Due to things that are beyond his control. So again, not absolving him of any responsibility, but there, uh, there's a little bit of a question mark next to that at the, uh, <clears throat> going into next season. If, uh, 
the team that he's able to produce after all of this is said and done isn't able to compete because of these other issues. Well, the good news is we got little Dougie McBuckets and Terrace Reed that are going to save the program and everybody's going to uh, forget forget about this offseason nonsense. We're going to have the best chemistry in the Big Ten, get like fifth or sixth place, sneak our way into the tournament, and then make an, make an Elite Eight run. So, all right, uh, on to some football news. Blake Corum opened up about his decision to return. And he actually says Harbaugh gave him some advice to go to the NFL, uh, which is not what you would expect a head football coach in college to say. Like a lot of them, a lot of them might claim to have the player's best interest at heart, but you know, you know, these guys like Dabo Swinney and these guys, like they're, they're, they're trying to manipulate these dudes into staying every which way. Well, I genuinely believe what Blake Corum said, which is that Jim Harbaugh uh, told him to get the knee surgery and go pro. Um, Blake Corum, who is quickly becoming even more of my favorite guy on the team, he's a Michigan man through and through. He said, no, that's not how I want to be remembered. I don't want to miss the NFL Combine, which was a dream of mine. I don't want to be remembered at Michigan as a guy that almost, you know, did it or was close. He was like, he, he, he wants to be a legend in Ann Arbor. And thank God for NIL, right? Because NIL saves a great college football player like Blake Corum from having to go pro because he's going to make enough money in college this year to where that decision was much easier for him. So to me, uh, this just shows that Blake Corum is committed to Michigan and uh, it shows, you know, we got a pretty cool coach, man. For as much criticism as Harbaugh gets, I think he really cares about these players as young men. Yeah, absolutely. And you hear... Uh, stuff like that uh, come out through the media. And you know that uh, Jim Harbaugh is coming from a place that he genuinely uh, cares about Blake Corum's future. You know what I mean? It's like you said, it's not every day that a coach just is up and willing to let their Heisman contending running back uh, go off to the NFL. You know what I mean? And leave his team to uh, to fend for themselves, so to speak. So. You love hearing that uh, Jim Harbaugh isn't worried about about things like that. He knows that the team will be just fine regardless of if uh, if Blake made the decision to stay or go off to uh, to greener pastures, so to speak, at the NFL. But uh, like you said, NFL keeps him uh, securely at the University of Michigan, receiving money for the value that he's given to the football team so awesome for that and uh and i you also uh gotta know that jim harbaugh he's uh gotta feel content with with what he's got in the tank regardless of if blake Corum leaves or not you know what i mean you got donovan edwards khalil mullings uh recruits ben hall and cole cabana tavi dunlap you know what i mean so he's got a full arsenal he knows that uh, whenever the time comes for these guys, they're going to make that decision. And uh, you, you love to hear that he's just given him the best advice that he could possibly give him. Well, speaking of Michigan running backs, Corum was not the only one making some waves in the news cycle this week. Everybody's new favorite running back, Benjamin Hall, is starting to pique the curiosity of the Michigan faithful. Mike Hart actually 
said something along the lines of he's like a Hassan Haskins 2.0 or he's a Hassan Haskins like and uh I don't know about you but I mean that that's like that's like talking dirty to me man you say somebody is like Hassan Haskins like that that gets me going a little bit so uh you know the dude has tree trunks for legs he's he's uh patient he's big he's uh, a, a good runner. The the question really becomes, with as much talent as this team has at running back, does Benjamin Hall get redshirted or does he play this year? I, I think it's starting to trend towards redshirting Cabana and playing Benjamin Hall. Uh, it just you know it, it just comes down to what Mike Hart and the in the coaching staff wants to do. This guy's going to be special. The question is, do we get to see it this year? What do you think? Well, Mike, I don't know if this is like any type of a hot take or anything like that. I think that uh, we see Cabana and Hall both burn their red shirt uh, this year and get a fair amount of, of playing time. I think we're due to see both of them get the same kind of developmental time that we saw like J.J. Uh, McCarthy, Donovan Edwards, those types of guys get early on uh, in their freshman year. I think Harbaugh, he's got a farming system going. You know what I mean? He's getting these young guys in. He's getting them snaps. He knows the guys that he's going to want on the field next year. And right now, as it stands, we don't know what's going to happen with uh, with Blake Corum, Donovan Edwards. They're both likely off to the NFL after another year. We don't know what's going to happen but uh, but it's suspected that both of them will probably be headed to the NFL. J.J. McCarthy is a big question mark. We don't know what's going to happen with him if he stays or goes after a hopefully successful campaign. So Jim Harbaugh knows these things, and he's going to want uh, guys like that can take that next step, that are superstar caliber level players and difference makers on the field, getting them some meaningful snaps, uh, whether that be towards the end in non-conference play uh, or in garbage time during conference play. Uh, so I think that we're still going to see them. You and I both did a piece on Ben Hall, and uh, I did one on Cabana myself, but I think we see Cabana in more of a special teams type role. There's a lot of word that uh, that he's been taking snaps, returning kicks, punts, things like that. So uh, I think we're going to see him more feeling like an A.J. Henning-sized hole uh, on special teams a little bit, maybe. Uh, but I think Ben Hall is going to be more of a candidate to maybe even earn some meaningful uh, snaps next year. So I think that he's going to get a healthy amount of, uh, of time and, and attention uh this year because when you think about it i mean like all love to like tavi dunlap and and guys like that but uh and khalil mullings but those aren't going to be the guys next year you know what i mean jim harbaugh knows that he's going to want to have like a reliable guy step into that role and i mean khalil mullings he'll be great in short yarded situations but you got to have a horse man and that's either that could be ben hall or uh cole cabana yeah, I really could see Benjamin Hall being the number one running back next season. Um, but I could also see him being the number five running back this season, you know? So it, it's it's interesting, but there's no shortage 
of uh, talent at the ball carrier position for Michigan. I mean, we're we're moving closer to being considered RBU. Um, I think you got to give that to like a a school like Bama or somebody like that that's kind of perennial. You know, it's had some Heisman's and all that kind of stuff. But we, you know, the last few years, Michigan's definitely been the spot for running backs. Um, man, you know, it's, it, it's funny. We're in the smack dab in the middle of the off season and, you know, there's recruiting and there's a few stories here and there, but there's not a, there's not a ton in the news cycle. And so, uh, our friend, uh, Brian Bowden, who I just mentioned earlier, uh, was on the pod a few weeks ago. He, uh, he has a really cool Twitter account. It's called BB's big house. And he's all, I mean, if you guys don't follow, uh, I think it's at BB's Big House or something. Just look up Double BB. Uh, he's an amazing follow because this dude is always compiling uh, lists of just uh, insightful recruiting rankings and statistics and historicals. And uh, he invited both of us, each of us, to participate in a pretty cool thing that he had here. He actually asked, who are the top 10 impact players for Michigan in this coming up season? But he didn't just ask you and me. He asked like 37 different uh, Michigan Twitter accounts, like all the big boys, all the all the beat writers a- answered it. Um, our guy Swanky, right? Like there some guys we've had on the pod. Uh, I'm, I'm just scrolling here. Like, I mean, basically all of the notable. It's like the Michigan Avengers. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. It's, it, it's, <laughs> su- it's like super dope, man. I'm, I'm looking at this list. Um, and I'm just wondering, like, let's, let's unpack this a little bit. Do you want to maybe share with the audience, uh, your top 10, actually, let me give the composite top 10. So the composite top 10, this is, this is all of the 30 something top Michigan accounts. This is who they ranked, how, who we ranked as the top 10 impact players for the upcoming season. Number one, JJ McCarthy, no surprise there. Number two, Blake Corum. Number three, Will Johnson. Love that. Number four, Donovan Edwards. Number five, Zach Zinter. Only at Michigan does a does a offensive lineman make the top five in this poll. I, I bet we're the only school in the country where that would happen. Uh, Junior Colson is number six. Number seven, Chris Jenkins. Number eight, Mason Graham. Number nine, Rod Moore. Number 10, Mike Sandra still. And not a single wide receiver or tight end in that top 10. But I will say number 11 was Roman, or number 11 was Trevor Keegan. And then, then you get to Roman Wilson and Colston Loveland. So, um, yeah, that's pretty interesting, man. Like, uh, I don't know if you want to run through your whole top 10, but like, you know, what stuck, what stood out to you about the, about the poll? Yeah, and I'll uh, I'll throw mine out there really quick, just run through it. But you know what I found most interesting is that uh, most of the uh, Michigan experts or analysts or whatever you'd like to call them, uh, people that love Michigan in general, if you will, uh, voted for primarily like the same ten people. Mm-hmm. You know, give or take. There's like an outlier here or there, but for the most part. Everyone feels the same way as far as like who the most or who like the top eight or nine 
uh, most impactful players are, which I thought was interesting. But uh, my list, I chose Blake Corum at the number one spot, just, you know, returning Heisman contending running back. I thought that the offense revolved around him last year. Locker room presence. He's just the total package. So I went with Corum at number one and uh, and just leadership and stuff like that. Veteran presence. Number two, I went Junior Colson just because the uh, importance he brings to the locker room. Number three, Donovan Edwards. Uh, four, J.J. McCarthy. Five, Chris Jenkins, another uh, veteran leader in there. Uh, primarily what I did was, like, I mixed up, like, uh, impact in the locker room and impact on the field. So I've got a good mixture of team leaders and uh, on-the-field leaders as well. But number six, Rod Moore. Number seven, Will Johnson. Number eight, Zach Zinner, like you mentioned. And the only real tragedy here, Mike, is that we can't have all of the offensive linemen on this list, right? Because they're freaking Joe Moore award-winning back-to-back offensive linemen, right? So uh, that was the only real travesty here was that we just couldn't have all of them on the fucking list. But uh, Zach Zinner at eight, Mike Sainer still at nine, and then I did have a tight end on the list, and that is Colston Loveland, just because... I think if we're talking about going into next season, what Michigan does at the tight end position with blocking, um, they center a lot of their schemes around that position group. So I think that uh, Colston Loveland is right on the fringe there of being a top 10 caliber impact player for this team. Yeah, I'm just looking at uh, some like some of these guys who was listed kind of as outliers. The guy that had Colston Loveland the highest was uh, Ant Wright, Anthony Wright, former Michigan basketball player. He's a great follow. Um, I'm looking at, man, there's just so much to unpack here. Only one guy had Ladarius Henderson in the top 10. That was, it looks like that's, it's kind of small here. I think that's the Go Blue Pool. Um. Trevor McHugh, who I we, he's been on the pod, who I respect his opinion quite a bit. He he left Mason Graham off his list. He, there's just so many. There's just so many talented guys. It's hard to. It's really hard to like nail it down here, man. Only one guy. This is how talented the team is. Only one person had uh, Jalen Harrell in their top ten, and that dude. I mean, he could lead the team in sacks easily. Uh, who is that? That was oh Matt Broom, yeah. Um, man, this is. Anyway, uh, I'll stop geeking out over here because I know the listeners can't. See it's what, a lot of uh, it's I'm a lot of at. great, interesting data in there. If anyone has a chance, they should definitely uh, check it out. It was a great idea that he had to get everybody's uh, perspectives because ultimately, like, you get the same like eight or nine people on the list, but then there is that uh-huh. uh, that one or two other player or other person or player that uh, any of the other participants might have in there, such as like uh, Mason Graham or Jalen Harrell. But uh, for the most part, interesting that, that everyone sees like mostly the same players up there in the top 10. 
Yeah, and I'll go ahead and throw this graphic in the show notes. I'll find a way to link it. So if you're listening and you want to look at this, uh, it's it's just a, a cool compilation of of uh, some really brilliant Michigan minds all thrown together who they think is going to make the biggest impact this season. Um, my list, and let me look because I don't have it memorized. Because honestly, I could change this list like every day of the week depending on how I'm feeling. Um, I had J.J. McCarthy, number one. Number two, I had Zach Zinter. I just figured throwing, yeah, yeah, throwing an offensive lineman number two is the way to go. Three, Blake Corum. Four, Will Johnson. So nothing too crazy. Uh, five, Mike Sandra still. I, I, I feel real strongly that Mike Sandra still is going to be an All-American caliber player. Uh, six, Junior Colson, probably going to lead the, lead the team in tackles. Uh, number seven, Trevor Keegan. I just feel like Zinter and Keegan just both belong up there. It's kind of the best offensive lineman duo in the country, in my opinion. Uh, number eight, I had Donovan Edwards. And that was a little lower than most people, actually. That, I, I had him the lowest other than Clayton Safey. Clayton Safey had him at nine. Another guy we've had on the pod, right? Clayton Safey. So a lot of these guys we've had on. Um, I lost my place here, but number nine, Chris Jenkins and number 10, Mason Graham. But I did not, I didn't have room for Rod Moore, Roman Wilson, Colston Loveland, a guy that, uh, I forgot about, which is crazy. Uh, Drake Nugent, like Drake Nugent could easily be in the top 10. That dude is going to step in and be one of the best players in the country right away. So um, it, it's a good time to be a Michigan Wolverine fan, and there's a lot of a lot of players to get excited about this upcoming season. Yeah, just a shout out. Uh, I was listening to In the Trenches with uh, Jansen. Uh, I don't know if it was this week or last week, but Drake Nugent and Miles Hinton both on that episode, and uh, Drake Nugent just sounds like a dog, man. Like. Uh, just really like doesn't give a damn what like anybody thinks about like him or his work ethic, just always in the weight room. Uh, give it a listen if you haven't already. But uh, it was like really interesting to hear uh, who's going to be stepping in for for Olu directly from his own mouth. And the guy sounds like all business uh, dealing with an injury, I guess, from what he says. Uh, so he spent a lot of time on the sideline with uh, with Blake and Donovan uh, in spring and stuff like that. But sounds like he's really ready to get after it, man. So Drake Nugent is one that I'm very, very excited about this upcoming season. Man, I just, I know I drink the Kool-Aid every year. I on it, I'm a Michigan fan. I, I, every year I drink the Kool-Aid. But I just have a hard time envisioning a world where this offensive line doesn't just move around every fucking team, you know? Like, I, I, just, I just don't know how anybody's going to compete with this O-line. Like, it, it's, it's stacked up, and it's got depth, too. So, you know, I, I don't know, man. I'm a, I'm a straight-up maize and blue Kool-Aid drinker, though, so I always... I, it's really... Yeah. It's really wild, though. Like, it's not even just drinking the Kool-Aid. Like, we're over here picking apart, like, the third and fourth string layers of some position groups like Ben Hall and Cole Cabana, you know what I mean? And how great those two as, like, 
deep, deep depth chart inhabitants are going to be. Uh, I was just thinking earlier today, like about like Alex Orgy, for example, like there's just so many weapons that this team can just shuffle in and out of, of games this upcoming season. In addition to like the starters that have already been in place for so long that it's hard to see this team not seriously contending for a national championship this year. And that's just wild to think about yeah i'm gonna just take it one one game at a time just beat east carolina you know just that's all just beat east carolina and then we'll move on to the next one uh speaking of settle down a little bit yeah speaking of some good healthy competition (laughs) as we wrap up the show today uh, i think it's fair to mention for our listeners we've got uh a very important competition coming up you and i are going to be guests on the Out of the Blue podcast. That's the Mason Brew uh, podcast. And our our good friends, Andy Bailey and Jared Stormer, have invited us on for a friendly draft. We're going to be drafting some of the, the best single game Michigan performances of the last 10 years. And so if you don't subscribe to the Out of the Blue podcast, get over there and subscribe right now. They are uh, an absolutely entertaining podcast that you got to be listening to. And we're going to be on next week and I feel bad for for them, honestly. Like Andy and Jared, like I just feel bad because they don't know what they've walked into. Like, it, I, like they know ball. Like I'll give them credit; they know ball, uh, but not like we know ball. You know what I mean? And so it, it's like they've really got their work cut out for them because uh, they've invited us into their home. We're going, we're going into their podcast, and we're going to embarrass them on their own show. It's, it's just, I don't know, man. You, you ready for that? I'm absolutely ready for it. Uh, awesome of them to to come up with the idea to have us on. So very excited about it. But I'm with you, man. We're just going to absolutely destroy their home after being let into it. And uh, I feel bad for them to an extent, but also excited for for the challenge of uh, of being crowned champions of both pods yeah and then i think we're gonna have them on on the the big house bleachers podcast probably the following week we'll see how it lines up but i i think i think we're gonna have them over here on this pod as well so we'll think of something fun to do with them uh but that's it for this week that's our show matt how can people follow you they could follow me on uh, my personal twitter handle at maze crusader or uh, any of the great content that me and my team are putting out at Maze and Brew. That's uh, at Maze and Brew or uh, their website, mazeandbrew.com. And you guys can follow me on Twitter at Wolverine Cron. You can also look up Wolverine Chronicle on YouTube or just go to my website, wolverinechronicle.com. I'd be happy to show you around. Come visit. Um, that's it. We'll be back next week. Uh, the Big House Bleachers podcast, Matt Hartwell and Michael Smeltzer, as always. Go Blue.